Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> yeah, let's go. Blow up. We are seven days away from the 2020 NFL Draft. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. A little fired up today. One of the things we've been doing on this show is exploring uh, different potential avenues and pursuits for the Miami Dolphins for the 2020 NFL Draft, specifically all of the possible combinations of trading pick strategies and drafting players at certain position strategies. And I feel like I've had a big epiphany over the course of the last 24 hours. This is why we explore all these options. I've got one that I'm going to have a real hard time letting go of. I think I've come around to the idea that the Miami Dolphins need to draft two offensive tackles early in the 2020 NFL Draft. One of my preferred requisites for whatever the Dolphins choose to do in overhauling their offensive line is do not play the rookies next to each other. That much inexperience can be problematic. Let's let these guys learn. Stability is important. And having as many pillars that are experienced players is also important. So what better way to avoid having two rookies play next to each other than drafting guys that can play as far away from each other as physically possible in the offensive line, right? Jesse Davis has guard-tackle capabilities. I'm not super high on Jesse Davis as a long-term starter of this football team, and I think playing him at guard and at tackle each have their own downsides and detractions. But if you are able to get maulers at tackle, you can mitigate some of Jesse Davis's limitations as a guy who could reset the line of scrimmage with consistency. And it will be much easier for the Dolphins. They will have a much bigger strike zone to secure two starters on the offensive line if they go after two tackles as compared to an interior offensive lineman and one tackle. We already know they're in no man's land at 18 as it comes to the offensive tackle position. But if you go for two offensive tackles, the depth of this year's class, OT10 is probably going to be worthy of a top 75 pick this year. I mean, we could do the math. We could could sit here and work through the numbers. You've got your big four. Those names being Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills, Andrew Thomas, Mekhi Becton. Josh Jones is arguably consensus OT5, although you would hear some objections to the idea that maybe uh, Austin Jackson of USC is worthy of that claim. Uh, But still, that's five and six. You've got Isaiah Wilson from Georgia, who is super raw, but super big. Redshirt sophomore, 6'7", 350. He's been in conversation as of late as a potential riser into the late first round. That's seven. Lucas Nyang of TCU has a hip injury. If he's healthy, he's my OT5 if he's healthy. 
That's eight. That doesn't even get into Matt Peart from UConn. Ezra Cleveland from Boise State. That's 10. Prince Tegawanaho from Auburn. Another green offensive lineman. Hasn't been playing American football all that long. Sadiq Charles, LSU. Ben Barch. We just ripped through 14 names. These guys are all feasible starters. Who are your feasible starters on the interior offensive line early on? We've said it. Cesar Ruiz, Lloyd Cushenberry, Jonah Jackson. Matt Hennessy, but he's probably not a great fit for the Dolphins. Robert Hunt, who, by the way, also has tackle experience. 6'5", 336. Maybe Damian Lewis from LSU. Maybe John Simpson from Clemson. Maybe Michael and Wenyu from Michigan. Your strike zone is so much bigger at the offensive tackle position, and I'm willing to live with Jesse Davis's coaching staff. Likes Jesse Davis. That's fine. I'm willing to concede Jesse Davis is going to be a piece of the best five combo. But if we want the best five combo, this is a big revelation that I've had, and I'm glad that we've sat down and, and worked through all these scenarios so that we can co- finally come to this realization literally seven days before the draft. It says, my God, it makes so much more sense for the Dolphins to go get two offensive tackles. Because Jesse Davis, to me, is an ideal sixth offensive lineman. He could play inside, outside. He could play both sides of the line of scrimmage. I don't think he's got that endearing quality that he really can hang his hat on at the pro level. But you can live with a player like that if you're stable around them. A rookie tackle stable? Not all the time. But at the same time, rookie offensive tackles, uh, if they meet the thresholds Miami wants in a power at the point of attack side of things, Miami could still, it's much easier to run forward than it is to you know, work through communications and, and pass protection. You block, you double team, you climb. You move this guy off the ball. It's very simple for the Dolphins. Beat your man at the line of scrimmage. If you got dudes that are 350 and can move, yeah, you're going to take care of that just fine at tackle. And all of a sudden, Jesse Davis's power at the point of attack is a secondary issue. So I think I'm all in on this idea. Whether that's Miami trades up from 18... Or whether Miami picks at 18 and it's OT5, which is either Austin Jackson, which I don't love, or Josh Jones, let's bounce back at 39 and see who the best available offensive tackle is. Which then brings me into my second big epiphany today, and this is not something that we haven't talked about on this show. The Dolphins continue to show interest in all of the top running back prospects. And you hear me say all, and you might think that's hyperbole. No, it's not. Literally all of them. They had dinner with Jonathan Taylor the day before his pro day. They've had interviews with Cam Akers, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, literally the top five NFL uh, draft backs this year. If that's the case, if you have an interest in all of these guys and you're receptive, and, and depending on who you ask, you're going to get different orders of these five guys as the top of the class. But generally speaking, they're all considered the cream of the crop. You might get Zach Moss that sneaks in there from Utah. But other than that, top six names are generally widely regarded and accepted as the same group, six guys. Why would you draft one early? At the running back position, which, 
I know the Dolphins didn't make it seem as though running backs are fairly replaceable with what they put on the field last year. But running back play is generally regarded as easily replicatable versus some of the other positions, especially premium positions. So you have a big pushback against paying big money second contracts to running backs, even though Christian McCaffrey just got a monster deal this past week. You get into some team-building conflicts when you start investing highly and heavily and expensively in running backs. Why would you take a running back at 39 and take RB1 if you can get RB4 at 56, get a better player at an alternative, more high-priority position? Honest question. If you could take J.K. Dobbins or DeAndre Swift at 39, or you can get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at 56 and get a much better safety at 39 versus what you'd get at 56, why would you take the running back first? Because you want to have your pick of the litter? If you like them all, let the other teams be the ones that start the domino effect and take the good one that's left over when you come back on the clock. That's the luxury of the Dolphins having the picks that they have. I know in the past we've done mock drafts that have included... Dobbins at 26, or Dobbins at 39. But if the Dolphins like all these backs, and they're showing interest in all these backs, and I love, I love the top five backs this year. You could give me any combination of Swift through Acres and tell me they're anywhere on your board, and I'm not going to argue with you unless they're top 10. Don't hastily make that choice because, like, well, we got to get the running game right. Well, yeah, it's a great thing there's five running backs that are all feasibly three-down caliber players. I think Taylor's the least likely for the Dolphins based on what they got in Jordan Howard and free agency. I think Dobbins and Edwards Hilaire are your most likely impact players in the passing game. Swift is very capable in the passing game. Akers, not so much, but he's dynamic. I think he's got upside, and I like him in pass protection a lot. So if you're the Dolphins... This is this is this is not exploring hype, hypotheticals anymore. This is firmly my opinion at this point one one week out from the draft. Quarterback with your first pick. I prefer to stay put at 5 and pick from the quarterbacks that are available when you're picking at 5. I want to double tip on offensive tackles in the first 2 rounds. We're going to move Jesse Davis inside to guard. We're going to pick a running back at 56. I don't care if two offensive tackles come at 18-26, 26-39, I really like how this puzzle can get pieced together if that's the blueprint. We're looking to mix in a free safety in there somewhere. Whether it's Delpit or Ashton Davis or Xavier McKinney. And I'm getting ready to lace up. Go play some football because I would be stoked if the Dolphins came away with bookend tackles, a running back, quarterback, and a free safety. The first two rounds. That is, but the the Dolphins now they they just have to strategize. Who do we target? Are we willing to move up and go get a guy? Because if you tell me you can move up from eighteen to hypothetically 10, as apparently Cleveland is now a team about a week out that's interested in moving down, getting more picks. If you can move from 18 to 10, 
and you can do so without compromising your ability to check those boxes. You give up some future draft capital when the Dolphins have tons at their disposal in 2021 already. They got two ones already. Then let's let's make some magic happen, right? We can get aggressive, but we got to stick to a relative blueprint. That's what my preferred blueprint looks like right now. That's not to say they might not go way off the reservation and pick somebody else at five and then come back and trade up for quarterback Jordan Love or or whatever other combination of, of craziness we might get. You know, I wouldn't hate Caleb on Chase on being the pick at 18 if he's there because I think he's a, a perfect scheme fit for the Miami Dolphins. Brian Flores. But if you ask me what my ideal blueprint looks like at this point in time, I want to double down on offensive tackles. Put off running back till 56 at the earliest. Need that quarterback with that first pick, and I'm trying to stay put at five. But I am receptive to moving up from 18 to go get one of the big four. Let's roll. Love it. We have a special treat for you here on Locked On Dolphins today. We're going to play the first portion of the 2020 Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special. Yours truly made three picks in the first round of this exercise, courtesy of the Dolphins. So over the course of... Uh, this series, you are getting a heavy, heavy dose of Locked On Dolphins and Kyle Krabs. Uh, this project is a culmination of every host on the Locked On Podcast Network's NFL channel and many of the hosts on the College channel as well. It includes insights from the Draft Network, yours truly, from host of Locked On NFL Draft, which is Ben Solak and Trevor Sikma, and the Draft Dudes, myself and Joe Marino. This isn't a mock draft that's predictive. The hosts aren't selecting who they think their team will pick on April 23rd. Instead, they are picking who they want their team's to select on draft day. So there will be trades. There will be surprises. Our college hosts provided player profiles of all the players selected in the mock draft, and all 32 teams will be featured, even if the teams are without a first-round selection. The NFL Mock Draft Special started on Friday, April 10th, and is airing all the way through till Friday, April 17th. Be sure to subscribe to Locked On NFL on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify so you don't miss a show. And if you do, just go back into the archives. I will say this. This draft did not turn out the way I wanted to, and it's a good word of caution for Dolphins fans. We'll only get into the first pick on, on what we're going to air now. But I tried to get greedy with offensive tackle, and it bit me. So if you're interested in seeing how that plays out, make sure you listen to this series. Um, a bit of a nightmare scenario <laughs> uh, for the Dolphins' offensive line efforts. Definitely does not echo what we just talked about on the show. But that's a good lesson. You know, you can have a plan and roll into the draft, but if the other teams don't cooperate, you might be up S Greek without a paddle. So really interesting exercise, some really interesting picks made. Make sure you swing over Locked On NFL. Check it out. Without further ado, here's our first sample. They've been playing the game their entire life. From the playground... I promise to exercise and eat right. Don't forget 60 minutes of play a day, right? I'm playing the NFL. Yes, sir. I'm addressing number one. Maybe. To their high school. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Let's go play some football. Let's go. To the university. We have 95 players here. So accomplished as athletes in high school. We gave them full scholarships to the best football program in the country. Now, their lives are about to change forever become your mom's favorite player whoa this is locked on nfl and this is the locked on podcast network mock draft (laughs) 
Welcome to the 2020 Locked On NFL Mock Draft special. Brian Peacock here alongside former NFL scout Matt Williamson. We will take you through the first round plus in a network-wide mock draft. All 32 teams represented, even those without first-round picks. Hosts making picks for the teams they cover. Our friends from the college side of the network with profiles on each one of these prospects that get selected in the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special, why they are considered worthy of first-round selections, and analysis from my co-host, Matt Williamson, as well as draft dudes Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, and the Locked On NFL Draft crew, Trevor Sykema and Ben Solak. If you're listening to this kickoff episode on a team-specific podcast, you can follow along all week, every pick, throughout round one, on the Locked On NFL channel, teams are talking trades, so you may not know exactly where your team ends up selecting. We'll conclude this draft next Friday, checking in with those teams in round two who didn't select in the opening stanza, some of which might jump into round one before it's all finished, and recapping everything that went down all week long. Matt, I'm pumped. Are you ready to do this thing? I'm very ready to do this thing. This is a very cool event. I think people will enjoy it. We've had so many new subscribers since last year that didn't get to enjoy it. So you're in for a treat. You're in for a wild ride and a really well put together whole situation here starting right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was one of the most popular. It was the most popular show on the NFL side of the network last year. And I expect it to be even bigger and better. And the way things are right now in the world and wherever you are listening to this podcast, I hope you are well. And I hope this is something fun for you to listen to all week long. Matt, as the Cincinnati Bengals go on the clock with the opening selection in the Locked On NFL mock draft, you've been through this. What are teams doing in preparation the final days and minutes leading up to the first pick for those specific teams? Well, this year, who the heck knows? I mean, (laughs) I'm sure that there's things like, you know, the the electronics or or the IT people are coming to everyone's homes to make sure everything works, checking, double checking, doing all that kind of stuff. We mentioned before, you know, maybe you could run mock drafts in terms of let's try to just do a a whole walkthrough basically of how this thing's going to work. If we're going to make a trade, who's in charge of calling this team, et cetera, et cetera. But honestly, in in the olden days and the not 2020 draft, most of the hay is in the barn really a day or two before the draft. I mean, you might be calling – agents of your favorite people to make sure that prospects didn't fall down the stairs or that knee that you're worried about isn't (laughs) flaring up. But for the most part, things should be done a couple days before the draft. Let's check in with some of our analysts here on the network. We have a pair of NFL draft shows, draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs of the Draft Dudes podcast, and let me just tell you, as a couple of Draft Dudes, we are really excited for this Locked On Podcast Network draft simulation where each host is going to make the picks for their team, and uh, I know it's not the real thing, but it's pretty damn close, and this draft promises to be very exciting with all the dynamics between the teams with multiple first-round picks and all the quarterbacks. So, Kyle, uh, I'm sure you're just as excited as I am. Yeah, the big mystery here is, from the quarterback perspective, how many can we get to go early? And then the other fascinating subplot is, when does the offensive tackle run start, and how fast does it go? Because there's generally considered to be four top offensive tackles. 
there's generally considered to be three top quarterbacks, maybe a fourth with Jordan Love if he sneaks in there, remains to be seen, and the order of all seven of those players who are feasibly top 12 talents coming off the board is going to be a really interesting scenario to see how it actually plays out here. I think just as interesting as the offensive tackle discussion is the wide receiver. Everybody knows this is a really deep and talented crop of receivers, but there's really exciting guys at the top of the board. You know, could we see six, seven, eight guys go off the board in the first round? When does that run start? And uh, who are those late first round guys that uh, teams that, you know, like the Packers or or like the Saints and Eagles and, and Vikings? Who do they get if they are a, a left kind of picking the later half of those top tier pro- prospects? So uh, offensive tackles, quarterbacks, wide receivers, the NFL is a passing league. And you can tell that this um, this draft is going to really help these offenses be more dynamic. Yeah, it's a deep class, and we're going to have a lot of opportunities to see players that in a typical class are probably off the board by 20. They might be lingering here in the late first round, early second round. So lots to look forward to, lots to get into. Looking forward to see how these teams start their drafts. Hey, everybody. Trevor Sykema and Benjamin Solak from the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast here with you. Excited to go on this journey of the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special. Ben, this is going to be a lot of fun. There's so many things that could happen in this mock draft. What are you looking forward to most? Yeah, it's always nice when you're able to get 32 guys, each of whom knows their team as well as the host in the Locked On Podcast Network do, and they can control for their pick. And then you have the freedom for things like trade negotiations as the pick comes off the board. You have the ability for surprises as each individual analyst focuses on their guys. I think, number one, we're not. it's not going to be a typical mock. It's not going to be like what we no, see definitely when not. only one person controls all 32 teams. There's going to be a lot more aggressive moves, so I expect to see big trade-ups. I expect to see surprising picks, yep. and that's, that's the reality with these. When you're controlling just that one team, you go and get your guy. That's what we see in the league. I guess that's what we'll be seeing in this mock as well. I'm really interested to see how the offensive tackles go here in the first round because – it's just the possibilities are endless. We saw that in our guest mock draft series that we're doing on our podcast. But, I mean, what other positions are, are big ones? Quarterback, wide receiver, probably, right? Well, I think, yeah. I think that when you're making these sorts of picks and it's it's catered to your audience for your podcast, you're tempted sometimes to go for those sexier positions. And the sexy position in this draft is undoubtedly wide receiver. So, to me, I'm really interested to see. We know the big three will come off the board and Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, and Henry Ruggs. Who's wide receiver four? Who's wide receiver five? And just how many can we fit in this first round? Ooh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Ben and I are going to be back with you recapping a lot of these picks throughout the mock draft. I'm very excited, so let's get it started. Okay, Matt, we're here. The Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock. Is there any doubt what the Bengals should do here? They earned the right through their poor play in the 2019 season to be drafting number one overall on everybody's list. It seems to be the same name, the same prospect that should go first overall if their phone is ringing should they even be answering it or do they know who the pick will be with the first overall selection in this draft i mean you answer it and if someone offers you a godfather like offer you consider it and you still might not even say yes i mean i think burrow is the super prospect he would go first in almost every draft you know 9 out of 10 years that's a gift and the bengal's need it he's an ohio guy they need to sell tickets. They need to sell jerseys. The offense that he falls into isn't in that bad a shape as first overall selections go. So I think it's kind of too good to be true. 
All right, with that, this draft is underway. Let's go to the hosts of Locked on Bengals and get the pick for Cincinnati, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. With the first overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Cincinnati Bengals easily and without second thought select Joe Burrow. In fact, Joe, we received no calls in the war room for the number one pick. I guess everyone just knows not to ask. And I don't think we would have considered any offers anyway. So we make this pick. This pick has really been made since maybe late December when the Bengals lost to the Miami Dolphins in week 16 of the regular season and clinched their first overall pick. Joe Burrow went on a tear in the playoffs after that. And the Bengals will finally get a franchise quarterback. First time they've drafted number one since 2003 when they drafted Carson Palmer out of USC. They're in that position again. The roster has been turned over on the defensive side through free agency. And I think they're looking at this squarely of saying our Super Bowl window opens again if we draft Joe Burrow number one in 2020. That's right. The Bengals don't just spend money to spend money. This is a strategic injection of funds into the defense to make themselves competitive while they have Joe Burrow on his rookie deal for five years. He's, of course, expected to come in and be a day one starter in Cincinnati. Andy Dalton is still on the roster, but will not be on the roster by the time training camp comes around. He might not even be on the roster by the time the draft is finished. We are looking openly to trade Andy Dalton for whatever assets we can recover. And if that doesn't work out, he'll be cut before Joe Burrow shows up for rookie camp or for the first offseason activity that we're allowed to hold with these rookies this summer. Joe, how much better does Joe Burrow make this team? Well, the quarterback is the most important position. And I think we're looking at a guy coming off a historic college football season that many have said is the best passing performance throughout a whole season in the history of college football. What does he do better than Andy Dalton? Andy Dalton has been the Mendoza line for starting quarterbacks in the league for a long time. And I feel like all of the skills you look for typically when you look at college quarterbacks, usually they are the big guys with the strong arms going near the top. And you say, can they function in the pocket? Do they have accuracy? How's their IQ? How's their processing? Uh, How do they do off script? All the questions you normally go into tape asking with Joe Burrow, those are all the answers you have with him based on tape and based on what he showed this past year. All of those things are not in question. He has them in spades. It's the arm strength, right? That's the only area you really question. And I would say it's very similar to Andy Dalton. So it should be an upgrade in almost every area of quarterbacking other than that. And that's okay because when you look at the best quarterbacks in the league over the last 20 25 years, whether it's Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Drew Brees, they all had those other features in their game without having a cannon for an arm. Simply put, Joe Burrow is the most influential recruit in LSU football history. In leading the Tigers to the 2019 National Championship, Burrow was fantastic, shattering school records and setting national marks that may not be touched. 5,671 yards and 60 touchdown passes for Burrow while completing 76% of his passes. His arm strength won't wow you, but Joe Burrow makes up for it everywhere else. His decision-making is elite, just six interceptions on the 2019 season. He's the son of a coach and a film room junkie. There's a story about LSU beating Alabama 
getting back to Tus- from Tuscaloosa to Baton Rouge. And when Joe Brady, the passing game coordinator, got to LSU football ops that night to go get the cutoffs of the film, Burrow had already beaten him there. Burrow has very underrated athleticism. Not only was he a high school quarterback, he was also a high school basketball player. And his ability to move the chains with his feet is something that many have overlooked throughout this process. Burrow is a fierce competitor whose teammates love him, who rises in the biggest moments. Should Joe Burrow stay healthy, he will have a long, prosperous NFL career as a franchise quarterback. This is Matt Moscona of Locked on LSU, your source for LSU and SEC content every day. All right, Matt, there's the pick. Joe Burrow goes number one overall to the Cincinnati Bengals, and there's a lot to like about Joe Burrow. I think maybe if you're nitpicking, you can find some knocks here and there about arm strength, which in some cases is completely overrated, and uh, I I like what was said by many smart NFL people in the past that the quarterback position isn't so much played with your arm once you get to the NFL level. It's played from the neck up, and I think that's where Joe Burrow really shines. Yeah, absolutely, and he he is a good athlete. He has a remarkable head and poise and confidence for the game, processing, accuracy. He does not have a power arm, and that worries me a little bit considering the area of the country he's going to when it's sleeting and windy and you know in the NFC North and late in the year we'll see how he deals with that but that by no means would slow me down from making such a pick he's a tremendous prospect more locked on NFL draft special coming up the Washington Redskins are now on the clock with the second selection sincerely hope you guys enjoyed this peek into what the locked on network is doing as I said if you enjoyed it Swing over, Locked On NFL on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, however you choose to listen to podcasts, and uh, make sure you check through the queue. Uh, This series is running through tomorrow. will be the culmination of of all of the hard work from a lot of people. So check it out. Kyle Krabs signing off for Locked On Dolphins. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'll be back again tomorrow, our last Friday, before the 2020 NFL Draft.